Welcome to Halt the Harm podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clover. And on this episode, I'm joined by Jillian Graber, an environmental organizer in Southwest Pennsylvania. Jillian's involved with an organization called Protect PT, which stands for Penn Township, also a group called Protect Our Children. And they just released a really helpful guide called Organizing ABCs, a guide to protecting our schools and communities from shale gas development. Uh, I think you're going to love this episode if you're interested in organizing. I also think it's really valuable for anybody living in an area that's affected by fracking. See, Jillian didn't really see herself as an organizer. She's a mom. She moved into a nice residential neighborhood. She just figured that she'd be safe from the types of environmental risks that fracking creates. So when she found out that drilling was being planned, that it was being proposed, she immediately took action. And that's what's so cool about her story. She just started talking with neighbors. She started uh, educating herself. She started going to meetings and asking questions. She started to reach out to organizations that could support her in creating a campaign that would have a very real impact. And you see that now. If you look at the organizations that she's involved with, she's brought so much to it. So, you know, I definitely encourage everybody to listen to this all the way through and to check out the links in the show notes and see what she's up to. She has so much to share. So let's get right into this. Um, Enjoy. All right, we got Jillian on the line here. Jillian, how's it going? Good. How are you, Ryan? I'm pretty good. Great to talk to you again. It's been a few months since uh, since I was hearing a little bit about Protect PT and all the stuff that you're doing. And so I'm excited here to get an update, but I'm also really excited to share more about your story and, and what's happening um, with your organizations in, in Pennsylvania with our audience. So could could you start by introducing yourself more, just t- telling us a bit more about who you are and, and your backstory? Um, sure. So um, I'm the executive director of um, Protect PT. We're a citizens group uh, in Penn Township, Pennsylvania, Westmoreland County, and we're working to ensure the safety, security, and quality of life for people in the Penn Trafford area. And um, I was previously just a stay-at-home mom, and um, you know, I, I stopped. Where I, I put a hold on my career uh, to to raise my kids. And when we found out that this this new um, infrastructure was proposed very close to our home, um, I felt like I had to do something about it. So uh, a bunch of us got together, and that's how Protect BT started. And how did you find out about the proposed infrastructure? You know. When did you first hear about it? So I actually first hear, heard about it by um, by receiving a letter in the mail from Mountain Watershed Association. Uh, they had noticed that um, our zoning ordinance was not up to date and that there was this proposed well site, um, fracking well site near our house. And it was, they noticed that it was a very densely populated area. And um, so we found out about we, you know, we got the letter and we talked to our neighbors and no one else seemed to know about it. So um, we, that's how we heard about it. And then we started, you know, calling them and asking, well, what can we do about this? Um, what are some things we need to, to, to know? Was the project pretty far along when you first heard about it? 
or was it just starting? Um, it was just in like the the DEP um, phase of um, getting all the permits, and um, it hadn't been um, applied for at the local level yet. Um, so we, and uh, the local municipality was getting ready or, or was, um, updating their ordinance and the ordinance allowed for unconventional gas drilling in 60% of the township. And so we just thought, wow, you know, it's pretty much, you know, surrounded by, um, by um, all this, 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 what's called a mineral extraction overlay. So basically, there are now essentially two zones. There's a zone where you can frack and a zone where you can live. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's no buffer between the two. And um, the, they're very much um, close to each other, uh, intertwined. Um, and, and the rural areas that are in the mineral extraction overlay, um, the one thing that's kind of unique about Penn Township is that you can find, um, you know, a, a large plot of land, um, very low density residential areas, uh, and that's something that attracts people to Penn Township in, in particular. And, um, you know, but now you could have the threat of, of unconventional gas development near your home uh, living in those agricultural zones. Huh. And it's interesting because Mountain Watershed Association is uh, an organization that monitors this stuff. And so you heard about it first from them, not from um, anybody in the governmental level. No, yeah, no. We learned about it through Mountain Watershed, and we were really shocked. Um, there were two proposed uh, pads in our area, and we just thought, wow, how can they put those pads so close to all of these homes? You know, and, and all these children. I mean, there's hundreds of children that live here. We just thought it was kind of ridiculous at first. And um, then when we dug a little bit deeper, we just thought, wow, you know what? We need to do something about this. This is kind of crazy. <laughs> so how much did you know about fracking and the risks associated when you first heard about this? Was it totally new to you or did you, had you already developed uh you know, had you already learned learned about it? Um, well, so I knew a little bit. I had watched Gasland, but that's about that's about as much as I I knew about it. I knew that it could potentially contaminate private water wells, but I thought, well, you know what? I don't have a private water well, so that that's probably not a concern for me. Um, uh, you know, and I heard things about earthquakes and, um, I had heard things about, you know, um, mine subsidence and, and those types of issues, but really I didn't know a whole lot about, um, the air contamination, you know, the potential for, for, um, the detriment to human health. And so with having two young kids, that was my biggest concern because, you know, and, and my neighbor's you know, all around here, there's, I'm, I'm in a neighborhood that has hundreds of children. And so that was my, you know, biggest concern as a mom, trying to make sure that, you know, I'm protecting my ch children the best way I know how. And, and what was the response from your neighbors when you started to talk about this, when you brought these concerns up? Um, so a lot of the neighbors said, oh, you know, it's a done deal. There's nothing we can do about it. That's, I heard that a lot. <laughs> um, but then I was contacted by some neighbors that said, what can we do? What can we do to help? And so we had a meeting at my house 
actually. And that's where, you know, we were like, okay, well, we need kind of a structure. We need a plan. Um, and we started formulating a plan and a structure. And everyone said, well, you're kind of leading things right now. Why don't you just become the president? And I was kind of shocked <laughs> by that. But I said, okay, well, I guess I'll roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really stepped up to the plate and took on this issue. So if this were to happen, what are the implications on your community? What's at stake? Well, I think the broader implications are that um, it's not just about one or two wells in this densely populated area. It's that in the future, if you look at what's happening in Pennsylvania right now, um, it, the, the gas companies, um, the, the industry itself um, has a goal. They have a goal to build as much infrastructure uh, as possible. And so if you look at um, towns like Robinson Township in, West, uh, in um, Washington County, you can see that um, one or two well pads uh, are now several well pads. And so if you look at the broader impl implications for our town, we could be looking at um, basically living in an industrial area going forward. Um, they're, you know, living in um, a very uh, polluted area. And in fact, Pittsburgh is one of the you know most polluted areas in the country. Um, and so we moved out to the country um, essentially to get away from the pollution of the city, but we could be facing um, just as much, if not more pollution. And um, if you're thinking about even broader, um, you know, the, the 1.5 million gallons of water that's used to frack one well, and you're talking about just right now with the proposed infrastructure that um, is with the local government right now, um, you're talking about 40 wells. So 1.5 million gallons of wells times 40, and that's just what's happening now. And so that's using fresh water that we as humans need um, that that right now is a finite resource and um, they're using that water and contaminating it um, and it's no longer viable for human health uh, or for human existence and so if you're talking about that much water what are we going to look like you know as a state um, as a country down the road um, 5, 10, 15, 50, 100 years from now are we going to even have fresh water to drink um, and that's 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 a big concern of mine um, as a Pennsylvanian. Uh, you know, we have such beautiful streams and, and rivers and, you know, they're being contaminated now. And so I don't want my kids, my grandkids to have to deal with a situation where they're drinking out of bottled, you know, they're drinking from bottled water that there isn't available, you know, the, the availability for us to have. Um, drinking water that's that's safe for, for our population. Do you ever get overwhelmed thinking about all the problems associated with fracking industry and just knowing that that threat is looming? It can really wear down on people. So I guess what keeps you motivated? What keeps your head up? What keeps you moving forward? So yeah, um, I think everyone gets overwhelmed sometimes. I, I certainly get overwhelmed with um, all the, the daily tasks that, that I have to to, to run an organization such as this, um, but, uh, but, you know, on the bigger picture, you know, looking at the future, um, 
I, you know, I try to just, I, I try to have a positive outlook. I, I'm, I'm a very positive person. I think, um, you know, just in general, I try to always say, you know what, we can't, we can't really see the future. Um, and so what we need to do is try to change things now. Um, so, so we have a better future and, and so we can give ourselves the best possible opportunity. Um, and, and so if we can just keep working and fighting these little struggles, because my struggle is not, is not unique, you know, this is happening all over Pennsylvania. And so if little towns, if little organizations like mine all over Pennsylvania can do, you know, exactly what we're doing and just fighting any little thing that they can to protect their own communities, to protect their own children, then we can, you know, as a whole, I feel like we could make a bigger impact and that hopefully one of these days, um, our state legislator, our federal government will wake up and say, we've been making a huge mistake. Um, and we need to start looking at the future and at our resources. Um, and water is a resource that we cannot afford to squander um, as a society. And so if, if, if they wake up one of, the, one of these days and realize that, um, you know, instead of uh, worrying about um, elections and, <laughs> uh, you know, all of the, the things that go along with politics, if they start worrying about the people that they're charged with protecting, then maybe there'll be, you know, a, a future um, for, for my kids and my grandkids. Um, and if not, there are going to be moms like me out there making sure and holding them to these higher standards. You know, I expect more from my, from my local government. I expect more from my state government than just to sit back and let this happen. So. Yeah. And you're both, you're demanding that the local and the state government do something. You're also taking action yourself. You're doing research, you're educating your neighbors, you're going to the hearings, asking tough questions, you know, really putting this to the test, like making sure that that you're doing everything that you can to make sure that this project is being scrutinized in the way that it should be because of the risks that come with it. Yeah, definitely. We have to educate people, whether that's our local government, whether that's our, our community. You know, we try to educate people in order to empower them to make the best decisions for their community. Because when it comes down to it, the local government, they are our neighbors. Um, and they, and I, and I, you know, I have a feeling that most of them, at least, not all of them, but most of them, uh, you know, take that, that, that job very seriously um, when it comes to protecting the people above their own financial gain. And if we could just have a system where, um, you know, that is, that's the mantra, protect the people over our own financial gain, then we would be in such a much better position, I think, as, as, a, as a state and, and as a country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People over profit. Yep. Which is so hard because it seems like our society is so structured. The incentive for a lot of politicians is is to cooperate more with industry, um, even if it's at the expense of people. And it's you see that over and over and over again. 
And I guess I like to think of it as a, the reason I like to think of it as a structural problem is because I'm kind of optimistic and I don't want to think that anybody's like, being evil. <laughs> or, you know, the good people can get caught up in this system and sort of swayed in that in that direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think that there's a tremendous amount of pressure um, on our politicians, on our, you know, whether it's local or, or state or government. Um I think that there's there's a tremendous amount of pressure and a and a tremendous amount of, you know, we have the money and we want this and you know we want this to happen and you're going to make it happen, um, or there will be consequences. And so, you know, this is a huge industry and to stand up to such a huge industry, you know, it takes a lot of guts. And there right. there are people that are willing to do it. I mean, there there was just a case, um, you know. T- for instance, the Robinson um, versus um, the Commonwealth. I mean, those those guys that are that are fighting those those cases, you know, they they are saying we we want better for our communities and we're willing to to do what it takes. Um, and so, if we keep having uh, you know community members or local government officials, I mean, it's going to take a lot of local government officials, I think, to wake up and say. Um, you know, this is not what I envisioned for my town, and um, this is the place that I live, and I want what's best for my town and my people, and standing up to the state and standing up to the federal government. And it's going to take a lot of a lot of these little municipalities to do that um, for us to get some traction where we have, you know, a, an area um, that we can live and, and be safe from from this industrial infrastructure. And they need our support too, because that's the issue that that you just raised is that there's and you know there's incentive to cooperate with industry. There's examples of of large industries really dominating a region by even funding things like public schools or providing funding for parks. And they sort of they know that they know that if they get connected into some of these other areas, that it's really difficult for the local governments to challenge them on a mining project or a logging project or rezoning something so that they can, you know, drill and frack in a residential area. It's it's hard to stand up to them when the companies are so embedded in things that the that the town actually needs. And um and so when people really mobilize, then it puts pressure from the other side so that there's like a way out for someone for a local official that is skeptical, knowing that they have the support of their community makes it easier for them to take that stand. Yeah, definitely. I think that the 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 industries they want to say, you know what, we helped build this. You know, we are we're you know we're beneficial for your community. We're going to help your community. Um, and so, I mean, we we see it with mining. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of acid mine drainage uh, right near my house. Uh, and where are the mining companies? Where are these, where is this industry going to be, you know, 50 years down the road when we're dealing with the aftermath of the pollution and there's nothing that anyone can do about it. And they're not going to be here to help clean up their mess. And that's, that's the big problem. Um, that, you know, and they're, they're saying we helped build this, you know, great, 
good for you that you helped build this, but what you did was also help tear down a lot of things too. And those are, those are things that are, you know, longer, longer lasting consequences um, for, for our land and our soil and our water. Mm -hmm. It's a time bomb. Yep. Just ticking away. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's nice to think about future generations a little bit further than, you know, 10 or five or 10 years. So, um, well, our, our Pennsylvania constitution allows us to do that. It allows us to, um, you know, protect our rights to clean air and pure water for generations to come. I mean, our, the, the people that wrote that constitution understood the implica- the long-term implications of protecting our state and protecting our environmental rights. They understood that. And then, you know, it's our responsibility now as Pennsylvanians to take that torch and, you know, just continue to try to protect those rights. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to refer to that specific part of the Pennsylvania Constitution when challenging industry in your area? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, in fact, I had a gentleman talk with me and she said, you know, I understand that um, people have the right to do whatever they want on their land. They have, they have the right to have this development. They have the right to make money. And I said, you're absolutely right. Everyone has the right to do what they want on their land. However, um, I have the right to not, um, have to deal with pollution and, and the consequences of other my, my neighbor's decision, number one. And number two, um, I have the right under the Pennsylvania Constitution to clean air and pure water. And he says, but where do you draw the line? And I said, well, I don't have to. The Constitution does it for me. I mean, it's right there in black and white. And talking to your neighbors and really raising this issue has been a huge part of your campaign. What other methods have you used and how did you get started? So our group, um, a bunch of people went to local meetings and we tried to talk with our government officials and tell them that um, this is not something that we wanted. We referred to, you know, our, um, our right to clean air and pure water and we also um you know said this is our investment backed expectation when we moved here we didn't move here to have an industrial site next to us and that process took a long time because we just kept going and going and going um and and trying to bring trying to educate them trying to bring them materials uh, that we knew about that could provide them with information in order for them to make a better decision about um, what was going on in, in our town. And in addition to that, we started just really trying to, to, to tell people what, what was happening. I mean, I remember walking around my neighborhood, knocking on doors, and that's kind of how this all started, knocking on doors, talking to your neighbors. And I think that that's something that was key to, our success. And so if you have, you know, 10 people that live throughout the community, throughout the township, and they're all talking to their neighbors and knocking on the doors, and then their neighbors are talking to their neighbors and their friends and their family. um, That's how this got started. And um, it it was just, we, we have, we have our Facebook page, so social media, you know, we have a website, and we just tried to start 
working at it from a very layered perspective. You know, we're going to pressure the government um, to, to um, you know, and comment on the ordinance and tell them where, where they could do better uh, and, and kind of tackle it from that perspective. And then also tackle it from the perspective of, well, if these permits um, are issued, what can we do at that point, you know, from the DEP? So can we do anything at the DEP level? Can we do anything at the local level? And what are what what do we do there? Um, whether it's participating in local hearings, like the local zoning hearing boards, and trying to get other people in the area, other landowners that are going to live near this, and and let them know, hey, and again, knocking on doors, saying, did you know that this is happening in your area? How do you feel about it? What are your concerns? And so we did that enough, and enough people showed up and said, we don't want this. And then the zoning hearing board then said, you know what, based on what we know to be, you know, true about the law that, that we are charged to enforce um, the, this industry in this particular, um, you know, this particular company did not give us adequate uh, information and um, you know, in, in order to fulfill this application. And so, it was denied. There were permits that were denied because of, um, you know, and part of that was pub the public participation. Um, we also had one well that was that we weren't not able to stop. And so along the way, what we did, we said, okay, if you know what, if we can't stop it, let's, let's, um, you know, let's do what we can to figure out what's going on. You know, let's test the air, let's test the water, you know, let's, um, you know, let's test the sound levels, you know, let's test anything we can. Let's um, try to make our community aware of what's going on. Let's give them a way to complain when they're frustrated, you know, all of these things to, to really empower them to want to, to do something about it. And so because we were able to do, do that, we were able to show going forward that the company did not give what they promised. They said in a hearing, in a public hearing, that we would not even know they were there, that they could do business and we would not even know about it. And that was just not the case. In fact, it was a drastic, there was a huge difference. Um, they, people could not sleep for four months out of the year because of this activity, and that was only for two wells. And so we took all the information, we took what we learned, and we used it. Um, to, to inform anyone that would listen to basically say, this is what happened here, and this is what could happen in your neck of the woods, in your backyard. Is that what you want? And here's how you participate if it's not. Um, and, and in some cases, we found that there are landowners that didn't want this on their land. Um, so, you know, there's so, so many dynamics that that you have to consider and, you know, just because this is happening on someone's property doesn't necessarily mean that they want it to. And um, so there were a lot of lessons that were learned along the way too. You really just jumped right in and started taking action. I mean, it sounds, it sounds awesome. And, and I, I want to reiterate what you just said, which was you, you documented, you, you know, you took an example of where it was happening. You showed how the company was being deceiving by saying, you know, you're not even going to notice it. You documented that. And then I, I feel like you just explained a model that 
that other people could replicate. Because you showed people what was happening and you said, do you want this to happen here? Here's how it will affect you. And if not, here's how you can get involved. And so you just reduced all the types of friction that usually prevent people from getting involved. Yeah, and you know, I think along the way we also learned that there are so many wonderful resources out there for groups like ours. Um, for That's, instance, yeah. there, I'd love to hear know, about I those. Mean, <laughs> so, for instance, um, Southwest PA Environmental Health Project, they're an amazing resource that we found. We thought, you know, how can we test the air? Who's doing that? You know, um, they they will send air monitors to your neighborhood and they will, you know, tell you what to what to expect and um, you know, and then give you a report on a health assessment. And, and so, like, these these organizations are doing this work, and they want to help. So we need to, you know, take that help when we can get it and, and use those resources to to understand what's going on and, um, and protect our community because we thought, you know what, we might not be able to stop it. I mean, we're still uncertain if we're going to be able to stop it altogether. But in the meantime, we're not going to leave people feeling powerless to do nothing. So what can they do to protect themselves? They need to have their well water tested if they have private well water. Uh, they need to test streams and creeks. So we contacted, um, there's uh, Alarm out of Dickinson College, the Alliance for Aquatic Resource Management or Monitoring, and they, um, they, they came out and did a workshop on how we can monitor our streams and creeks to, to look for potential um, surface water contamination and to understand, you know, even what's in an ENF permit. I mean, I had never heard of an erosion and sedimentation permit. I didn't know what it was when I started this. I didn't know what to look for, um, you know, to see if it was implemented correctly. So, so you know, water and runoff and sediment wouldn't contaminate local streams. Uh, you know, and just educating, the more we educated ourselves and the more we use the resources of the wonderful organizations um, that are out there to, to, to deal with this type of infrastructure, the more we realize that we can use this to empower the people that, that live near here and, um, you know, just really bring this resource to the community that, that you know, they didn't previously have. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I want to make sure we share those resources in the show notes, too, for anyone that's listening can uh, can benefit from that as well. You know, and actually, um, if, if you if you go on to the Protect Our Children Coalition website, um, I, I was so I work with uh, Protect Our Children Coalition, which is a statewide coalition, um, and so they're trying to protect um, infrastructure from um, affecting schools in particular and, and school children, which obviously is something that's very close to my heart since my kids are in school. Um, so if you go to protectourchildrencoalition.org. You, um, we actually just released this um, really wonderful tool called Organizing ABCs, um, a guide to protecting our schools and communities from shale gas development. Um, and a lot of those organizations that I talked about, they actually helped us put together this guide um, because a lot of them are in the coalition. And so we put together this guide to try to to tell communities um, or tell people that want to get involved you know, here are some of the ways that you can get involved. You know, here are some of the things you can do to be successful. Um, and if you need help, 
you know, we're here as a coalition, we're here to help you, um, you know, and, and to try to connect you with some of the resources that are out there. Because, I mean, I think when people start doing this work, I mean, this is how it was for me. I was a parent. I didn't know any of this stuff. And um, there's there's a lot of technical um, information that um, goes along with this work. And just you can't know everything. But um, you can learn as much as you can and just absorb as much as you can. And so what we tried to do was, in one resource, put all of what we've learned into one place, um, but in a way that's not really that overwhelming to the people that are like me, like parents that are looking at this. Um, and so if they want to learn more on a specific subject, they can, and the coalition can connect those, connect them to the people that can help them learn those things. Um, so it's really kind of, because every community is different, and everyone has different challenges and different concerns. And so um, only the community members are going to know what those concerns and challenges are. Um, and, and so our role basically is to say, okay, you know what, if you need help with a concern or challenge, we're here to help you with that. Um, we understand that these are unique challenges to your municipality or your 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 neighborhood, um, and and so this is like, you know, this is what's out there for you, um, you know, based on what your needs are. That sounds like a, an amazing resource. Organizing ABCs, and we'll link yep, it in or, the show notes for sure. Great, thank you. I also want to say that it's really inspiring how you've organized around this issue, the way that you've gotten so much public attention, that you've done some of the baseline water tests, that you've done your own documentation, you've reached out for help, and you've managed to bring a lot of your neighbors and community on board and help help them really stand up for themselves and not just see this as something that's inevitable. Yeah, well, you know what? I think that if this were a process that did not contaminate our air and did not contaminate our water. And, and if it were just a minor inconvenience, I don't think anybody would have a problem with it. Um, I think that the, the reason why they do have a problem with it is because it does contaminate our air and water. And it, because it, it has been proven scientifically that uh, it's, it's detrimental to human health. That's why everybody has a problem with it. Um, and so that's why they need to work so hard to, um, to, to, to make sure that we don't know that. Um, and my husband always says, if Dancing with the Stars is on, people have a reason to be distracted. <laughs> and I think that that's kind of like a lesson for our society, that we're so distracted with, uh, what's, with what's going on. I mean, I talk to... I talk to people all the time when I'm sitting, you know, when sitting in um, karate or, or um, you know, gymnastics and talking to other pe other parents. And a lot of them are still not aware of what's going on. And um, it's like we all live under this rock. And I think that if we as a society would really kind of take a step back and stop and start looking at what's going on that we would all be better off. Um, just, I mean, pick up a newspaper and read the newspaper about what's going on in your, your community and then, and then get involved, you know, go to the local meeting. If you don't like something, speak up about it. Don't just let it happen. And then whine when, when it, and when it doesn't go your way and you're not happy with what happened, you know, you had an opportunity. We live in a society where you have an opportunity to, to, 
to do something and to say that you don't want something or that you do want something. So stand up and do it. Take that opportunity. It's yours, you know, given to you. And if you don't take it, then you're saying, by all means, do whatever you want to do because I don't care. And so if we have, you know, this society where people don't care, then we're going to have these, you know, industries that can just slip in here and be sneaky and do whatever they want. And, you know, it's, it's only when people care that they can, they, they don't, they don't get away with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the, the last thing I wanted to ask you was when did you get involved with Help the Harm Network? So um, actually Mountain Watershed Association um, connected us with Help the Harm and um, I met, I, I met a few folks at one of the summits that they had um, when I was getting started learning about all this stuff and who was, you know, who was doing what and what community and all that. Um, and I met some folks and I thought, oh, that's just such an, like, you know, such an interesting concept to have, you know, and I, I guess I still didn't understand it at that point. They have like a list of leaders, um, you know, that, that can help you. Now I understand it a lot more. Um, I just think that Hope the Harm, um, just the work that's being done is so amazing because like for somebody like me who is trying to put out different campaigns and I, you know, trying to learn how to do all this really on the fly, I really, it's, it's an invaluable resource to have someone um, like some of the folks I work with at Hope the Harm just be able to put out, you know, a petition uh, and help me put that together, help me advertise for an event, um, you know, just so many things that you guys do. That's that's just amazing. Um, and I would not be able to do my job as effectively if it weren't for, you know, organizations like Help the Harm where they're they're helping they're they're helping the little guy, <laughs> you know, try to try to, you know, just do what they can in their community. And that's 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 a really invaluable resource. Yeah, and one of my favorite things about Health to Harm is because it's a network, it's not the the folks sort of at the core of Health to Harm, their main job and role is to help bring the network together and provide resources. So they're not necessarily taking leadership and telling people what direction they should go or what specifically they should do, but helping people connect and be more engaged and informed and sort of leverage each other's strengths and things like that. So I think it, it says right there on the on halttoharm.net, it says leverage your impact. And I think leverage is a really great metaphor for that because yeah. when you have the right tools and you have the right support, you really get a lot more out of your actions than if you're just sure. alone, you know? So it's it's awesome yeah. to, to have a way to connect with each other. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I I completely agree. (laughs) Well, Jillian, it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, great talking to you too, Ryan. Thank you so much for for your time and and bringing uh, awareness on these issues. For sure. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. That wraps up our episode with Jillian Graber. This is Halt the Harm podcast. I'm sure that you know that by now. Um, <laughs> but I I guess I just wanted to close this out by thanking you for being here. This is a new podcast 
It's just getting started. And we've had a great response so far. And some folks have asked, you know, what they can do to help. And honestly, the main thing that you can do to help is to leave us a rating on iTunes. When you leave a rating on iTunes, you actually help the podcast get more exposure and then more people can find out about the work that Halt the Harm is doing. So what you have to do is go to iTunes and actually log in and then find the podcast and leave a rating. So there's a couple steps to it. So if you do that for us, that would be amazing. We would really, really appreciate it. Um, this podcast is a project of healttheharm.net, which is, if you don't know, a powerful resource for anyone confronting the fracking industry. Health the Harm is a network of leaders like Jillian who are taking action, sharing resources and information, and supporting each other's campaigns. You can find out more at healttheharm.net. It's also a collaboration with a project that I started a few years ago here in Ithaca area where I live in upstate New York. It's called Eco Defense Radio. And that's actually a weekly news program. It's all volunteer. There's six of us who write and produce the show every week. And we also do interviews. It's a really cool project, and I'd love for you to check it out. It's ecodefenseradio.org. And that's it. We'll see you next week with more episodes.